Who will be tonight's early round shocker? Where will these 12 drafters select Saquon Barkley? And can the Joes keep the title on their side for the sixth straight year? Follow along with the live draft board tonight and watch our pick-by-pick analysis as we call the action from the 2023 FFPC Pros versus Joes, the red right hand number one league to see who's going to win a 2024 FFPC main event squad. We've got a great show for you. I'm Eric Falkman. I'm here. Farrell Elliott is here as well. Stick around. Your special edition of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour starts now. Broadcast live and heard around the world, you are now watching the most entertaining hour of radio on the planet. Welcome to the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com with your hosts Eric Balkman and Farrell Elliott. The High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour is your home for analysis from the best players in the world. And now, because no one else was available, here are Eric Baltman and Farrell Elliott. Solace in the scripture, are we not all our father's sons? I became a man, nobody ever told me what a man was. Thank you, Rob. Greetings and salutations to all the Volcoholics and Ferreliacs out there. Welcome to the latest episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. I'm your slightly above average host, Eric Balkman. My co-host is the definitive commissioner of fantasy football, Farrell Elliott. Tonight, we have the first of six special episodes for you. It's the 2023 FFPC Pros versus Joes, the red right hand number one draft tonight. We'll be covering it for its entire duration. Shout out to the chat room, both on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter right now. Post your questions you might have in there. You can connect with the show on Twitter at HSFFR. I'm at Eric Balkman, and Farrell is at J. Farrell Elliott. You can post on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash HSFFR. Email the show at highstakesfantasyfootball at gmail.com. Shout out to the hard work of our producer and mutual friend Rob, and of course, our audio engineer and my best friend Bryce. Before we get started, as a reminder for all you FFPC people watching, Tomorrow is indeed deadline day for the 2023 FFPC main event early draft slot announcement. That means if you are paid in full by uh, midnight Pacific time tomorrow night, you're going to get your draft slot for the FFPC main event by July 31st. And you'll have a month plus to plot your way as far as what draft slot you're going to have to figure out how you're going to cash that million dollar grand prize. Remember, if you already have a team, you're going to get $400 off each additional team you add on. Square those balances away at myffpc.com. And don't forget tonight, ladies and gentlemen, you're also going to be able to, throughout the duration of draft season, go for a second million dollar grand prize with the Fantasy Pros Championship at myffpc.com. Just $350 to get in. You get a three pack, you get a $50 discount off that. So take your swings now to win a million bucks for just a $350 entry fee over at myffpc.com. Shout out to tonight's drafters, ladies and gentlemen. I'll get into it right now. Drafting from the one spot. And and I should, for for those of you watching who aren't familiar with this, this is uh, something that we do every year. It's going to be six FFPC high stakes shows versus six industry pros. Now, the winner of this league will get a free 2024 FFPC main event where they can gun for a million dollar grand prize next year. There can only be one winner, and it's going to be one of these six Joes or one of these six industry pros drafting from the one spot tonight. FFPC Joe Jahoon Kim. Uh, we're going to hear from Todd Burroughs from Sharp Football Analysis. He's drafting in the second spot tonight. He's going to pop on here. In a little while, Jeff Tirabasi, a longtime FFPC player drafting from the three-hole hitting cleanup tonight, is football guy's own Sigmund Bloom, followed by him, uh, John Terry, a guy who's won 
I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of dollars in the FFPC high-stakes space. Uh, he is uh, drafting fifth tonight, followed by former guest of the show, Billy Musio from Player Profiler. Justin Bacon and FFPC Joe drafting after him in the seventh spot. Eighth uh, tonight is Bob Lung from BigGuyFantasySports.com, followed by Troy Wells. Uh, an FFPC Joe Evan Silva established the run.com is where he's at. He's also in the 10 spot tonight. That's also where he's at on Friday night. If you caught the high stakes fantasy football hour, you caught an interview with the guy who is drafting 11th tonight. That's Josh Latz an FFPC Joe. And then uh, Alex Dunlap from rosterwatch.com is picking 12th without further ado. I'll go to the board right here and uh, show you what we have up right now. Uh, the first round is complete. You, uh, I, I, I will just go through it here. Uh, Jahoon Kim takes Justin Jefferson at the one spot. Then you're looking at Jamar Chase at the 102. Nothing out of the ordinary there. Christian McCaffrey goes to Jeff Tirabasi at three. Now, this is interesting because he's an FFPC Joe. He knows how important tight ends are in the format. He decides to go against uh, Kelsey and go with Christian McCaffrey at the 103. Sigmund Bloom says, thank you very much. I'll take Travis Kelsey at the 104. Cooper Cup and Tyree Kill off the board after that. Cooper Cup to John Terry, guy who was being drafted you know, right around that one spot last year. And then Tyreek Hill to Billy Musio at the 106. Austin Eckler, uh, fresh off his Zoom call on Saturday with his fellow NFL running backs, goes seventh tonight to Justin Bacon. A.J. Brown to Bob Lung from Big Guy Fantasy Sports. Uh, he takes A.J. Brown at the 108 tonight, and that is uh, the fourth wide receiver off the board. Bijan Robinson at the 109 to Troy Wells, and then you're looking at Stephon Diggs to Evan Silva here at the 110. Jonathan Taylor is going to Josh Latz. We, we heard him on the show. Uh, he said that he wanted to get a, a Jonathan Taylor, Garrett Wilson start. And that's exactly what he did tonight from the 11 spot. So he gets Jonathan Taylor at the 111. And then Alex Dunlap from Roster Watch ends up taking CD, <coughs> excuse me, ends up taking CD Lamb at the 112. And that is your first round. The first round of the uh of the first pros versus joe's draft in the books tonight here and i, I gotta tell you it it played off pretty much like how we we kind of thought um i'm gonna compare it to the um the ffpc best ball tourney another uh tournament that mirrors this again this is a 20 round ffpc best ball slim draft uh so there's no lineup management there's no roster management it is set it and forget it and you look at um, how the ADP has been going over the last few days in the contest for the FFPC for the $200,000 grand prize at myffpc.com, where you can sign up for just $125 entry fee. Um, there's not a whole lot of, of, of differences on here as, as far as the ADP goes. Shout out to Darren Armani from Fantasy Mojo at Fantasy Mojo on Twitter, fantasymojo.com. If you are playing in the FFPC, I highly recommend that you get a subscription to fantasymojo.com. So you can take a look at um, not only the ADP, but the stack finder and all the tools he has on there. It certainly makes uh, playing FFPC fantasy football a lot more fun. The one thing I guess that does stand out to me, guys, in the first round, um, A.J. Brown has an ADP of, of 112 as the eighth receiver off the board in the FFPC best ball tournament. Tonight, he ended up going a little bit higher than that. He goes tonight at the 108 as the fifth wide receiver off the board behind Jefferson, Chase, Cup, and Hill. Now, Bob Lung from Big Guy Fantasy Sports will tell you how important consistency is to him when he is drafting these high-stakes fantasy football teams, including the pros versus Joes. And I'm sure he's going to tell you that, look, you look at what A.J. Brown's been able to accomplish over the course of the last several seasons, it's very important to get a guy like him there. Now, he could have gone with Diggs. He could have gone with Lamb. He could have gone with Amon Ross St. Brown. And perhaps you could also make the case that all three of those players are just as consistent as A.J. Brown. I don't necessarily know. Maybe outside of Diggs, 
if they have a track record uh, or as big of a track record as A.J. Brown has, and maybe that's why Bob Lung went with him there. Bob, feel free to drop in on the broadcast tonight and explain that pick. Uh, we, we would love to hear from you. The second round is about to be in the books. Uh, right now, uh, Alex Dunlap from Roster Watch is uh, one of two teams – Beg your pardon, one of three teams so far with a wide receiver, wide receiver start in this best ball format. Amon Ross St. Brown at the 201 to go with his CD Lamb. We already told you that Josh Latz took Garrett Wilson at the 201. First quarterback off the board tonight is Josh Allen, and he goes to Evan Silva. He gets the big Buffalo stack right away. Diggs and Josh Allen. Rounds one and rounds two. He's not messing around, trying to go for maybe the overall title in the pros versus Joe's. Uh, tournament, which doesn't really get you anything more than the, the free FFPC main event that you get for winning the league. But certainly, I know that Evan Silva, a longtime FFPC player, would love to take away the PBJ crown away from the Joes, who have won it now for the last five years. Nick Chubb off the board to Troy Wells, as he is the only team to start running back, running back tonight. Nick Chubb off the board at the 204. Patrick Mahomes not that much farther behind Josh Allen. He's the 205 tonight to Bob Lung to go with A.J. Brown. Uh, it's interesting that Bob also had the opportunity there if he wanted to go with the early stack. He could have taken Jalen Hurts there and gotten the Brown-Hurt stack. Uh, but it was more important to him to get Mahomes there as well. So an interesting draft unfolding for Bob Lung from Big Guy Fantasy Sports. Devontae Adams joins Justin Bacon's team with uh, Austin Eckler there, <clears throat> excuse me, at the 206. Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill, a pair of Dolphins receivers to Billy Musio from Player Profiler. He goes with Hill in the first, Waddle in the second. I have a feeling who he is targeting as his starting quarterback in this format. More on that later, I'm sure. Saquon Barkley falls to John Terry tonight at the 208, followed by Tony Pollard off the board right after Barkley to, at the 209 to Sigmund Bloom, who gets Kelsey in the first round, Pollard in the second. The second tight end tonight does not go until the 210. That's Mark Andrews on Jeff Tirabasi's squad, so he starts off with a pretty strong start. Uh, a guy who could be the number one overall running back in a guy, a guy who technically could be the number one overall tight end this year too. And Mark Andrews, one of those is more likely to happen than the other, but it still remains to be seen, or it, it still remains to be said that he got elite at both those positions there. And then we find that the the number one and number two spots uh, tonight, um, Jahoon Kim in the one, Todd Burrows in the two. Both start off wide receiver, wide receiver. One of four teams in this league to start off with uh, with receiver, receiver here. Devontae Smith joins Jamar Chase on Todd Burrow's squad. And then T. Higgins joining uh, Justin Jefferson on The Lucky Show. That is Jahoon Kim's squad from the one spot tonight, Jefferson and Higgins. I want to look at the, um, the Devontae Smith ADP here. Devontae Smith normally goes at the 212 at wide receiver 13, so it wasn't necessarily a reach. Uh, right there for Todd Burrows. But, you know, we what we did see here, and Todd, I know, saw this as well. You know, you look at Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs going to Evan Silva's squad and from the 10 spot. Then you look at um, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, the one and two picks, to Billy Musio from the six spot tonight, a pair of Dolphins. You could have had Todd going with T. Higgins there and then getting a, a certain Cincinnati quarterback later to get the mega stack there going. He chose to go Devontae Smith instead. And, you know, while it's it, it's worth noting that you'd want to be the overall champion of this where you have to beat out 83 other teams, essentially. But the money really is is winning your league like there is nothing else beside that. You don't get anything for second. You don't get anything for the overall championship, just beating the other 11 teams. So it's interesting to go with like where he could have gone with a Chase Higgins and perhaps Burrow start later. He chose to go with Devontae Smith instead. That is what we're looking at here. 
uh, through the first two rounds. Now, Dave Nowitzki is in the YouTube chat right now. He says Team 9 is winning. Team 9 is Troy Wells, the FFPC Joe, getting Bijan Robinson and Nick Chubb, two of the highest, what we think are going to be two of the highest volume running backs in the NFL this year. The only team to start off running back, running back. And if, if, and he's on the clock right now, we'll see what Troy does here. Obviously there's three tight ends off the board. He could get the number four quarterback off the board. Uh, he ends up getting the number four tight end and that's George Kittle. So he starts off with Robinson Chubb and Kittle from the nine right now. Uh, so that's what you're looking at. Uh, Todd Burrow's uh, chiming in too, um, that the three guys he wanted at the two eleven tonight all went right before him. That was Saquon Barkley, Tony Pollard and Mark Andrews. And then he also said that stacks in a combined confined league are much less important. He passed on Hertz, uh, and, you know, uh, which is what um, which is what uh, Bob Lung did in the second round. And then he passed Todd passed on Jalen Hertz in the third as well because he could have gotten uh, Hertz there at the three hundred two. He chose not to. Uh, so that's what we are what we're looking at here in the uh, first round tonight. Or in the first two rounds tonight of the FFPC pros versus Joe's league. Number one, the red right hand. Let's get through the third round here. Some interesting picks in this round. TJ Hawkinson is the third tight end drafted. He goes at the 301 tonight to Jahoon Kim. So he's got a lot of targets, a lot of pass catchers on his roster already through three rounds. Ramondre Stevenson is the first running back chosen by uh, Todd Burrows. He gets Stevenson to go chase and Smith there. Stevenson, the eighth running back off the board. Jameer Gibbs, the rookie from Detroit, is the third selection of the third round to Jeff Tirabasi, joining Christian McCaffrey in that backfield. Boy, there's a lot of targets there, and he still does not have a receiver on his team. So he's got a lot of targets already, a lot of catches already on that squad. Derrick Henry joining Tony Pollard. Uh, on Sigmund Bloom squad, Derrick Henry going to the 304 pick tonight. Jalen Hurts off the board to John Terry to go with Cooper Cup and Saquon Barkley. Uh, Chris Olave, the only team to start receiver, 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 is Billy Muzio tonight. And he gets uh, Chris Olave at the 306 to go with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Then you're looking at Josh Jacobs to Justin Bacon at the 307. Najee Harris to Bob Lung at the 308. We already told you that Troy Wells got George Kittle at the 309. DK Metcalf off the board. Uh, at the 310 tonight to Evan Silva. So he is joining Biggs and Allen. Now he gets Metcalf on that squad as well. Brees Hall goes at the 311 tonight. So a pair of Jets uh, to, uh, to to Josh Latz here. And, and I believe I got to, if I, we went through what, what we said could be his first four picks uh, tonight. And I think Kittle would have been, he wanted Kittle there. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but Josh will be joining the broadcast in the second hour. He can tell us all about it. Uh, but he gets uh, Brees Hall there. Another Jets uh, to go with uh, Garrett Wilson and Jonathan Taylor at the 311. And then Lamar Jackson off the board at the 312 tonight. Lamar Jackson, the fourth quarterback chosen. Um, so this is this is what we're looking at right now through three rounds of the FFPC Pros versus Joes. Heading out to the uh, YouTube chat right now. Fuffle Master says that Team 6 is looking good. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Chris Olave. You know, I think, I, I don't want to call it the lazy analysis here, but the, the belief has always been in, in best ball, ever since best ball started, however many years ago it was, a lot of people said load up on those running backs early, um, worry about the, the receivers later because you can get these spike week type receivers. And in the FFPC format, you only have to start two receivers every single week. Um, so that the, the, the approach for a lot of people has been to load up on the high volume running backs early. Uh, Billy Musio, who is as, as accomplished as a high-stakes player as there is out there, obviously you can check out his stuff at Player Profiler as well. Um, you are looking at, <coughs> excuse me, um, a start of receiver, receiver, receiver uh, with Hill, Waddle, and Alave. So when everybody else is zigging, he is zagging here. 
Um, and, and you can't really trash the strategy knowing how much money he's won in the FFPC over the years. But this is a very interesting start that we are looking at here. And he's he's doubling down on it, or in this case, quadrupling down on it as he goes with another receiver here in the fourth round as well. This is a very fascinating start for Billy Musio from the, uh, from the sixth spot here. We are about three and a half rounds through tonight. Uh, as a reminder, if this is the first time you are watching the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour, we air weekly on uh, Friday nights at 10, 9 central on all the FFPC social channels, including YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also access full on-demand streaming basically anywhere you get podcasts as well for the audio version later. Um, and uh, and we certainly hope that you would uh, join us for year-round analysis here um, on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour. Plenty of dynasty conversation, best ball conversation, and really the home of High Stakes Fantasy Football. This is where you come, and we bring on a new guest every week, an accomplished High Stakes player, sometimes a non-accomplished High Stakes player, a person who's just joining the FFPC. That's what we have uh, for you every week on the show. We hang out for an hour, and it's a blast. Uh, so check us out Friday nights live at 10-9 Central year-round. We are almost through the fourth round here. I'll take you through it. Joe Mixon is the first, uh, first running back off the board here to Alex Dunlap. Joe Mixon uh, joining uh, CeeDee Lamb, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Lamar Jackson on that squad. Joe Burrow to uh, to Josh Latz here at the 402, followed by Kyle Pitts at the 403. Debo Samuel off the board as the first receiver selected by Troy Wells. Calvin Ridley to Bob Long, joining A.J. Brown as his two receivers on his squad tonight. The only team with three running backs through four rounds is indeed Justin Bacon's squad from the seven hole. Austin Eckler, Josh Jacobs, and now Aaron Jones at the 406. Billy Musio keeping that wide receiver, uh, the peeing yellow, as the kids say, peeing yellow. Uh, Keenan Allen, 407 tonight for him. Amari Cooper is uh, is joining Cooper Cup, Saquon Barkley, and Jalen Hurts on John Terry's squad. Justin Fields, the sixth quarterback chosen. He goes at the 409 tonight to Sigmund Bloom, who has a pair of running backs, an elite tight end, and now an elite quarterback on his roster. Christian Watson, the first receiver drafted by Jeff Tirabasi to wrap up the second round. I uh, beg your pardon, the last two picks of the fourth round, Travis Etienne to Todd Burrows and Kenneth Walker. Running back 17 tonight at the 412 to Jahoon Kim. Let's get into our uh, first uh, guest tonight, ladies and gentlemen. It is Josh Latz, our, our guest from uh, the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour on Friday night. Uh, he joins us tonight. Josh, uh, you are four rounds in. And I got to tell you, the first couple of picks went your way. How, how are you liking your team through, uh, through your first four rounds? Uh, pretty good, actually. Um, I, I actually was pretty surprised to see Brees Hall uh, when he came around. I, I, I totally get the, the injury concerns, but to get him that late in the third felt pretty good. Um, I I had some hopes that you know one of the, the Tyreek Hills uh, types would have slid to me uh, in the first. I was hoping to get that uh, blue chip wide receiver, but... Uh, getting Garrett Wilson, uh, I feel pretty comfortable with that right now. And uh, like I said, I think Joe Burrow finishes this QB1, QB2 this year. I think it's going to be just a blow-up season for him. So pretty excited about my first four rounds. Anything that's standing out to you so far tonight as maybe something that was a surprise in the draft that you didn't see coming? Uh, yeah, there, I can't remember which team it is, but there, uh, I saw somebody went wide receiver, I think their first three picks. Mm -hmm. Um that was a little surprising. Although there, this if you're going to go zero RB, this draft uh, has some pretty um, rich options in the probably around six to nine uh, area. So um, I have a feeling I know what the the draft board is going to look like for that individual. But yeah, it's about what I expected. Um, I, I was a little upset that T.J. Hawkinson went where he did because I think that's baby Kelsey this year. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so uh, I was hoping that, that that he might fall a little bit further, but such is life. Such is life indeed. Now, refresh my memory. Um, what were the first four picks that, that you wanted to start your draft with from Friday night? Yeah, I was, I was thinking of going Taylor, Wilson, uh, Burrow, Watson. Uh, mm. And since Brees Hall was there uh, where he was at the, the, the back end of the third, um, I figured I'd, I'd grab him. I, I felt like that was giving me at least a half round of, of value. So you have uh, so so the the Hall thing you didn't see coming. That's why you ended up taking him. Did, were we talking about a potential tight end for you from the eleven spot in the first four or five rounds? Uh, we there was well, there he went. That was so such is life, right? Um, right. But yeah, so that that was uh, th that was the, the the one that I was like I I was kind of curious how the whole thing would go. Um, on the tight end side, uh, because the drop off after after Waller is pretty uh, uh, Waller and Goddard is pretty significant. So yeah, that was the uh, that was the one that I was, <laughs> I was hoping for. Convenient timing. This is great too, because for everybody who's watching, this is Josh's literally first ever FFPC draft. A guy who has been grinding and utilizing his prizes in his other leagues over the years to save up. To, to not only play in the FFPC main event, but he's flying out to Planet Hollywood to draft his teams live uh, with the FFPC coming up in September. So that's going to be very cool for you. What also is cool for us is you are on the clock right now here at the 5'11". You have Taylor and Hall on your team, Garrett Wilson at receiver, Burroughs, your quarterback. What are you thinking here? Yeah, this is a this is a place where just based on where the, ball, uh, the board's falling right now, um, I think that probably the value of wide receiver is going to probably be about – the best option I have. I had a pretty good expectation that I'd be looking at something similar to this. It's just really hoping for a tight end to be there. Right, here. yeah. But uh, that's okay. I think that we're going to go this route because I think this is a return season for him. So you get, yeah, you get DJ Moore here, wide receiver 25. Um, I don't know if Sigmund Bloom was hoping to get him uh, to pair with uh, with uh, his Justin Fields in the fourth round. Um, but so, so this is interesting now because – you have basically your top two running backs. You have your top two receivers. In the FFPC, you only have to start two running backs and two wide receivers. So technically, your those starting positions are soaked up. Now, there are two flexes that you can deal with. You have your starting quarterback here. We talked about on Friday night how you were looking at trying to get one of the top seven tight ends and hoping that Dallas Goddard would fall to you, obviously, as the seventh tight end off the board. Now, that didn't happen tonight. Um, so now you're, I, I don't want to necessarily call this a pivot for you here, but are you pivoting? Um, and I don't want to also, I don't want to refer to it as a panic pick here, but is there a pivot for you to maybe, okay, I can't get one of the top seven tight ends. Now that I've seen seven tight ends off the board through five and a half rounds, I, I don't want to be the guy drafting the 12, 13 tight end off the board. Are you going to look at a tight end position right here? Yeah. Um, it, 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 I think that there, that, that I might have to do a look. Might have to do a little bit of reaching here, unfortunately. Um, but I feel better about this than than terrible. Mm. So we're gonna go that route right there. So um, David, David and Joku is the pick. Talk talk a little bit about why you, you ended up going with Njoku there. And but and by the way, and I'll tell you this right now, according to Fantasy Mojo's uh, FFPC best ball tournament um data, David and Joku normally comes off the board at the 801. Now you take him tonight at the 602. There is a, a a real possibility that he wouldn't make it back to you. Tell us what you like about Njoku this year. Um, 
Well, one, I think that, you know, you've got a, a Deshaun Watson that's not dealing with all the, you know, kind of chaos that was going around there. Um, I do like some of the moves that they've made, um, you know, overall at the skill positions. Uh, and so this might be the first time we really get to see the, the sort of full-powered um, Cleveland offense. If you recall last year, Njoka was all the rage. Uh, it, it didn't really pan out in the beginning. It, there were some bright spots mid to late season. But um, this year, I think that, um, you know, although I don't put him in the same tier as a Goddard Waller, um, I would actually say that I probably – Waller probably has a um, uh, probably has a lower floor um, than, than where I think Njoko will, but uh, probably a higher ceiling. Um, where, but Njoko, I think, has a pretty decent um, – uh, pretty decent ceiling as well. I, I think that um, there's there's a pretty good opportunity for him there. Uh, and if the Cleveland offense starts kicking, uh, clicking like we think they might, um, I think Njoko will get a, a good piece of that. And red zone targets especially. Yeah, and I think one one of the things that we're looking at right now uh, with Cleveland, what's fresh in our mind, it's Deshaun Watson missing all that time coming back and kind of stinking up the joint last year, but that was kind of to be expected as far as the rust goes. So now he comes in, uh, or now you you can draft these Browns players at kind of a discount right now, and we might look back on this Njoku pick in the sixth round for you here as the pick that really solidified this team if he does have that baller year and if he does catch a lot of touchdowns, which you alluded to as well. Josh, thank you so much for, for hopping aboard not only Friday but tonight as well and, and taking us through a couple of your picks. Good luck the rest of your way, uh, rest of the way, and we will see you at Planet Hollywood in what, about a month and a half or so, maybe a little bit less. Yeah, sounds good, man. Hey, have a great night. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Josh Latz, ladies and gentlemen, again. A first-time FFPC player doing his first FFPC draft ever. He's going to be playing in the FFPC main event, hunting down that $1 million grand prize when we are drafting live in Las Vegas. Uh, and you can still, there's still obviously time uh, to book your flights out there. Remember, main event, early draft slot deadline, midnight Pacific time tomorrow. So make sure that you are uh, uh, cashing in, uh, uh, registering for your drafts there and uh, getting those teams paid in full so you will know where you are drafting by July 31st. Uh, let's get into the fifth round, is I think is where we left off here. Yeah, fifth round, 501, Miles Sanders off the board to Jahoon Kim. That's his second running back, Darren Waller, the first tight end drafted by Todd Burrows, followed by a receiver run here, DeAndre Hopkins, Drake London, and Jerry Judy to Tirabasi, Bloom, and Terry, respectively. Only quarterbacks going off the board tonight in the fifth round are Justin Herbert, and Trevor Lawrence. Then you're looking at Dallas Goddard as the seventh tight end drafted at the 508 to Bob Lung, uh, joining A.J. Brown on that squad as well, uh, as far as the Eagles go. Terry McLaurin going to the Troy Wells FFPC Joe franchise at the 509. Alexander Madison, D.J. Moore, and Christian Kirk end the fifth round here. Uh, Madison to Silva Moore to uh, Justin Latz, and then Christian Kirk to Alex Dunlap. Um I want let let's just go through uh, the sixth round. Uh, Chris Godwin off the board, six hundred one to Alex Dunlap as his fourth receiver. So now we're looking at two teams with four receivers through six rounds here. Joining Billy Musio is Alex Dunlap with Lamb, St. Brown, Kirk, and Godwin to go with Lamar Jackson and Joe Mixon. And Joku was the pick we saw from Josh Latz on air. Mike Williams joining Diggs and Metcalf to uh, on Elvin, Evan Silva's squad. Deshaun Watson is the quarterback to Troy Wells here, his starting quarterback this year, followed by Rashad White to Bob Long, joining Najee Harris in his backfield. Tyler Lockett, the second receiver drafted by Justin Bacon. And then you're looking at J.K. Dobbins, Cam Akers, and David Montgomery 
uh, Dobbins to Billy Musio, Cam Akers uh, to John Terry, David Montgomery to Sigmund Bloom. Brandon Ayuk off the board as the third receiver drafted by Jeff Tirabasi. Michael Pittman to Todd Burrows and Isaiah Pacheco off the board at 612. You know, it's interesting um, as we just talk about Pacheco here for a second. We talked, I believe it was with Josh on Friday, we talked a lot about Pacheco. And this is a guy that, you know, we're always, FFPC players are always looking for. Um, that Kansas City wide receiver, that Kansas City running back that that can that can kill it. And Pacheco is a guy that not a lot of people thought that he was going to be ready as soon as he is, including the Kansas City beat writers. And he's out there practicing already. Um, so to get Pacheco at the 612, a guy that said he's working on his pass receptions and or his pass catching abilities. And if the receptions go up this year, he's looking like a really good pick in the sixth round here tonight. Um Let's go through. Uh, oh, another polarized. This is this is like the polarizing running background. I, I I don't want to necessarily call it the dead zone because I know a lot of people think that there's a, a lot of value. Um, and uh, uh, you are you have um, uh, a lot of really talented players here. Um, you're looking at Rashad White, who I still regret trading in a dynasty league to the Dizzle a couple, like a month or so ago for Nick Chubb. It still could work out for me this year. Um, but Rashad White is going to be um, the, the running back this year uh, for Tampa that, that could end up being um, a bell cow type guy there. J.K. Dobbins off the board to Billy Musio. And you, when you start off a draft with four straight receivers to get Dobbins as your number one running back, I think you could do a lot worse. We have Rich Bilyeu, uh, another former guest in the show right now, talking about how Billy Musio is killing it. He loves the start there at the four receivers, um, the, the stacking of Allen and Justin Herbert, and then obviously Dobbins and Damian Princess, who we just took in the seventh round. Cam Akers, I know people are excited about this year because of the ADP value. I don't necessarily think that they think Akers is going to be blowing up um, as, uh, you know, uh, on, a, on an offense like Los Angeles's, but, but where he is going, the 608, with not a lot of competition in that backfield, uh, Akers could end up having um, a big impact for people who are drafting him in the mid-rounds, at least the high-stakes players. And then you're looking at uh, David Montgomery here. I know he's lost a little bit of his shine because Jameer Gibbs keeps on climbing up draft boards. Um, and then uh, you're looking at uh, uh, we already talked about Pacheco here in the in the fourth round, so or in the sixth round. So there is a lot of uh, there is a lot of um, running backs here that I think are very interesting here for um, for fantasy players to, especially the ones that waited on running back uh, to to get those running backs there when you already have those receivers, when you already have those elite tight ends. It's going to be compelling not only in pros versus Joes, but in all the high stakes leagues. Uh, with the FFPC main event, the Fantasy Pros Championship, so on and so forth there. Let's get into the seventh round. Mike Evans off the board to Jahoon Kim. Uh, he now, that's the first receiver he's drafted since round two, but he gets uh, Jefferson and Higgins in the first two rounds. Now Mike Evans as his third receiver in the seventh. Dak Prescott is the starting quarterback for Todd Burrows right now from Sharp Football Analysis. Uh, DeAndre Swift to Jeff Tirabasi. Deontay Johnson and Marquise Brown. Deontay Johnson, the second receiver drafted by Sigmund Bloom, and then Marquise Brown to John Terry after that. Damian Prince to Billy Musio. Evan Engram to Justin uh, Bacon. That's his number one tight end. You know, I just noticed that Billy doesn't have a tight end yet, although Rich Billio was praising the um, the Damian Pierce pick in the seventh round. So we'll see what Billy does at tight end here. Kadarius Toney to Bob Long, and then Cortland Sutton to Troy Wells as uh, those are both those those players number three wide receivers 
three running backs to uh, to finish it out: Alvin Kamara, James Conner, and James Cook. Kamara to Evan Silva, James Conner uh, to uh, Josh Latz, and then James Cook to Alex Dunlap to finish off the seventh round. James Cook is kind of an interesting player too, as we look forward at. Uh, at um, what that Buffalo running back game is. I know Farrell always gives me a hard time because I'm always so fascinated with the Buffalo running game, but I think getting the Bills running back pick right this year is going to be so important for everybody playing in the FFPC and everybody playing for a million bucks in the Fantasy Pros Championship, the main event, what have you. Uh, Cook is the second running back drafted by Alex Dunlap. Let's go to the guy who is drafting in the two spot tonight. Uh, you check out all his work for fantasy football at sharpfootballanalysis.com. You already follow him on Twitter, most likely. If you're not, you need to do it right now, at NFL. The incomparable Todd Burroughs. Todd, welcome in tonight, man. Hola. <laughs> so so you, are, you are looking at seven rounds already down. Um, we talked a little bit about the stacking earlier, and I think you explained that pretty good of why you did what you did. But how's the draft looking right now for you as you are about one-third of the way through? Only one guy on my team I actually wanted to draft when I drafted him. Um, every, you know, the two-spot is tough if value doesn't fall. And this Trebiasi guy who everyone talked up, he's, he's taken the top guy on my board every single time. So... I mean, sometimes it's like that, and you pivot, and you do the best you can. But this is not my favorite team I've ever drafted. So uh, going into it, what did you think um, you were going to be – I mean, you obviously knew if Chase was available, you were going to take him. What were you thinking you were going to do in the second round? I, I think you said you had your players all got sniped right in front of you. Well, I mean, and, and same thing in the fourth and same thing in the sixth. I mean – Basically, what the two is tough because you you know it really is when you get someone as good as Chase, you really don't want to reach for anyone, and you're running into different um, you know value uh, valleys, and so you're in you know you need someone to make a couple bad picks, and it's not happening. So um, you know I am just muddling through and making the best picks that I can using all the experience I have to try and, you know, I mean, I've got a lot of good players, but mm -hmm. I mean, it's like, I don't have a lot of ETN. I don't have a lot of Devonta Smith. I probably should have taken someone other than Pittman, but I wanted one guy that I actually have been drafting. I do like Waller a lot this year, but you've got the injury situation. Um, so it's, uh, and then I had to reach for Dak because quarterbacks were going way too early in this draft. And, I, you know, I, I'm, when you're already not happy with your team, there was no one there that I thought to myself, oh, I, I got to take this guy. So I, you know, I took Dak, uh, you know, to take some of the pressure off, hoping that later when, you, when you're not getting value, you want to stay positionally even so that you are in a position to take value later to try and make up for it if um, – you know, like I'm not a big Deontay Johnson guy. He You're up next. He would have been the guy that I would have taken. So, um, and I'm coming up again and again. The board is just not filled with names. <laughs> I, you know, that I'm just, I mean, this time, the good news is uh, Tribiasi can't, uh, Tiribasi, uh can't snipe me this time because there's no one that I really want all that much. Um, so, 
so Todd, I'll let I'll let you look at it real quick because you're on the clock right now. So for everybody who is looking at this, you're looking at Todd Burrow's picking from the second pick, who's on the clock right now. Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, Michael Pittman are his receivers. He's already got a backfield made up of Ramondre Stevenson or Travis Etienne. Darren Waller's the tight end. Dak Prescott is the quarterback as well. Todd, what are you thinking here at the 8-11? Um, the pick's going to be Samaje Piran. Um, I, I, you know, this is a full PPR, and Sean Payton has a long history of throwing to his backs, and Piran is going to be that guy this year. He's going to catch 60, 70 balls. And, you know, I've got two running backs who could be a little hit or miss. Ramondre, you know, should get a lot of receptions. Now I've got two guys who should get me a lot of receptions. And at the other positions I was considering, one of the tricks when you're at the corner is, he was the only running back I really wanted there. But there's a couple wide receivers I would consider. There's a couple uh, quarterbacks I would consider. So it, it gives me a lot of opportunity now um, to, you know, by taking the running back, even though he wasn't the highest one on my board, I know at least I'll get someone I like coming back. You know, what, what do you make of, um, I talked about, you know, how back when best ball started and Todd, you do as many best ball drafts as anybody. What do you make of um, the, the four wide receiver start from Billy Musio from player profiler? I love Billy's team. Billy is crushing this. Billy and I have partnered on a lot of teams and, you know, he is not afraid to go late quarterback um, at all. You're up next. In fact, you know, some people would say that he likes doing that. So, um, you know, Billy then got, as you mentioned, running the, what has fallen a little bit is that second level running back. So to go for uh, wide receivers and then come back with Dobbins and, uh, you know, two guys that I really like for best ball, Dobbins and Pierce. I mean, Billy is having a great draft. Who did he take in the seventh? He took uh, Pierce in the seventh. Who was the tongue of Iloa in the eighth to go with Hill and um, yeah, um, Waddle. I mean, Billy, Billy is just killing this draft. And he went so he went too early quarterback. Herbert was the one I missed. So mm -hmm. I mean, Billy is just absolutely crushing this draft. Is it? I mean, like, is stacking worthwhile for for Musio's team here? Oh, when, when he starts with uh, to pair Dolphins receivers and then gets Tonga by Lord. Like, is it is it more important for a mega stack? Stacking is always important. It's less important in something like this. Um, stacking adds points to your team if you do it right. So mm -hmm. I've got an opportunity now to stack one of two players. Um, I could either stack Pittman with Richardson or Waller with da uh, Daniel Jones. Richardson mm -hmm. goes earlier, um, but um, Dak is a thrower. I'm going to go with Daniel Jones. I like Richardson. Um, and if it was a bigger tournament, I would go with Richardson, but I think Jones has a better floor. So I'm going with Daniel Jones to go with Waller. Now I've got two quarterbacks, three running backs, three wide receivers, and a tight end. I'm set up very well for the back end of the draft. Hopefully um, more people start falling to me that I like. The uh, second team tonight with two quarterbacks on his roster is Todd Burrows from Sharp Football Analysis. Prescott and Daniel Jones. Prescott in the seventh, Daniel Jones in the ninth. 
the Jones-Waller stack will be interesting for sure. Todd, tell our viewers uh, who maybe aren't familiar with your work or are familiar and want to know when you have more content coming out where they can check that out. Um, I, I, I do um, a weekly best ball article and podcast for Sharp Football Image. Um, you can check that out. Um, if you follow me, I, I, you know, it's always uh, put out. I also host my own Run the Daylight podcast. I haven't done one this year, but um, I have a feeling that I'm going to start doing a bunch of live drafts and, and posting them. So, oh, and, and Wednesday night, I've got um, the guy who started Sirius Satellite Radio Sports is now running the producing team for Sharp Football Analysis. Ooh. And I will be doing an in-depth interview. So he started in WFAN in New York. He then went and started Sirius. So I'm going to plan on obviously asking him a lot of things about his career. His name is Matt Deutsch. And then I also want to ask him questions, you know, pertaining to, you know, there's a lot of people out there who want to know what it takes to get ahead. You know, this is a guy that I, whose brain I want to pick to see <laughs> Um, you know, what his advice is. He's already given me one piece of advice that I thought was amazingly helpful. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that interview on Wednesday or Thursday. We will be uh, definitely waiting for uh, for the audio for that. Todd, thank you so much. We appreciate you um, drafting tonight. Good luck the rest of the way and good luck trying to take down this league so you can get that free main event entry next year, man. Yeah, thank you so much as always for having me. It's a great contest and it's always a pleasure to be part of it. Todd Burrows from Sharp Football Analysis, ladies and gentlemen. Follow him on Twitter at BestBallNFL. By the way, Matt Deutsch, uh, a guy that is near and dear to my heart, given that he's my boss at the Better Sports Network. You can check my, check out my show, the High Stakes Fantasy Football Show, every Thursday on the Better Sports Network, uh, bettersports.com, as well as all the Better Sports uh, social channels, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, the FFPC social channels as well. That's at 7 o'clock Thursday nights. Uh, let's bring in my good buddy, Jay Farrell Elliott, the commissioner, the definitive commissioner, the commissioner to rule them all from the Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship. Welcome in, Farrell. So good to have you on, man. Good evening. Buddy, I wish that there was greatness to my lateness, but I can only tell you that I am uh, tardy. That's all. That was my fault, too, because I sent the, you the wrong link. <laughs> the first thing I've noticed here is that most of the Joes are waiting on quarterback, as would be suggested, unless you go get one of the top three, you know, the guys in the top tier. And uh, the pros are already doubling up. So, you know, that, uh, yeah, okay. That's um, what I so so let's let's get into this. Um, we, we got a comment in uh, the YouTube chat. And for, if you are just joining us right now, Michael uh, Heinitz wants to know the league settings. This is a 20-round FFPC best ball slim. So there's no waivers. There's no lineup setting in this as, as, at all. You're looking at the standard FFPC starting lineup, a quarterback, two running backs, two receivers, a tight end, two flexes, a kicker, and or no, no kickers and defenses in this format, I beg, beg your pardon. And uh, you're also looking at uh, tight end premium scoring in this as well, so one and a half points per catch for tight ends. So let's get into, um, uh, let's see, what round, let, we just finished the ninth round here. Let's get into that here, Farrell. A.J. Dillon joins Jahoon Kim's team here, a loaded backfield now. He's already got four running backs through nine rounds. A.J. Dillon joining Walker, Sanders, and Pacheco. We heard the Daniel, I saw the Daniel Jones pick from Todd Burrows there. Uh, Gabe Davis, is another receiver that is joining Jeff Tirabasi's squad. Remember, he started off with two running backs and a tight end in the first three rounds, and now he has pounded the receiver position. Five picks in the last six picks for him. 
our wide receivers, Michael Thomas off the board to Sigmund Bloom, Dalton Schultz and Tyler Higby off the board after that. Schultz to John Terry, Tyler Higby to Billy Musio as his number one tight end. Jordan Addison uh, speeds his way at the 907 to Justin Bacon there as the wide receiver 44, followed by Khalil Herbert, the third running back chosen by Bob Lung from Big Guy Fantasy Sports. Russell Wilson, the second quarterback drafted by Troy Wells, the rookie Quinton Johnston, is joining Mike Williams, his real-life teammate, on Evan Silva's squad from the 10 spot tonight. Rashad Bateman, who uh, is now off the pup list or whatever he was on, the reserve list, uh, he's reported to training camp in Baltimore. All things good there. Rashad Bateman off the board at the 9-11. Anthony Richardson ends up going in the ninth round, not to Todd Burroughs, but he goes to Alex Dunlap at the 9-12 at the 14th, uh, as a 14th quarterback off the board. Farrell, I, I know we just went through the ninth round. I do want to talk about an eighth round pick here in Javante Williams. He was the first running back off the board in the eighth round, the 801 running back 30. We got the news today that he is not going to be placed on the preseason pup. It, it honestly seems like his knee is, is, is healing a lot faster. And then at least I gave it credit for, I, I, I didn't think he'd be in this spot this early in camp. And yet here we are. Are you a little surprised that he still was an eighth round pick tonight? I feel like he should be going a little bit higher based on the news we heard this morning. It's a Sunday news feed. Any other day, Hey, if this draft was on Monday, he would go higher. He'll go higher on the twos and threes pros versus Joe's bulky. It's uh Great value for team number uh, for team number twelve. I, I I like the pick. I, I like it quite a bit there uh, in, in the eighth round. It makes a lot of sense. Um, you know what's interesting here is Troy Wells. Well, no, that that's not interesting because Dalvin Cook went after Javante Williams. I look at some of these other running backs that that went in the seventh round, like Alvin Kamara, um, James. Con well, James Conner, I kind of like, but James Cook and I guess Dunlap ended up getting Cook and Williams. It didn't really make a difference of what order he was picking them there. But I think Williams is in for a, probably a two-round bump as we yeah. get into the main event, the more pros versus Joe's drafts, the fantasy pros drafts that are going on this week. I think he's going to be bumped up two rounds. Uh, the fact that he's – I mean, the preseason pup, what people – what a lot of people, I think, don't understand is, like, this is not the regular season pup. Like, they could just take you off whenever, whenever they want. And this is a situation right now where if Williams starts showing out in preseason – I mean, now you're talking about the sky potentially being the limit where he could maybe shoot up to a third-round pick or a fourth-round pick in early September. I, I love that selection right there. I think now is the time to pound Javante Williams. What do you make of uh, Elijah Moore, who went in the eighth round here tonight? Segment Bloom from Football Guys ends up drafting him as his number three receiver. I've seen him steamed up a little bit. I've seen a, a, lot, of pun a lot of pundits writing about Elijah Moore and talking about Elijah Moore. But this could be a potential breakout guy in Cleveland with Deshaun Watson this year. He will be. Um, he brings two skills that a lot of uh, these receivers don't have. He can beat you in the short game. He's very, very physical. Plus, he can get downfield. Now he has a quarterback that is looking for the big comeback here. I, I love Elijah Moore. The fact that he's in the eighth round this early, uh, I would encourage anyone who's drafting early in any of the main events, any of the slow drafts, to get busy with Elijah Moore. That's, that's a fantastic draft pick there in the eighth round. He shouldn't be going that late. I, pro probably not. I, I I think you make a strong case there uh, for that. The uh, the ninth round is uh, is complete. We I don't want to save that for the show. I want to save it for a different show. Um, what 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 about uh, Anthony Richardson? Are you surprised he's not going a little bit higher? Given that um, the this is a, a you only pay out one spot in this league. You know what I mean? Like and and he's a total pick to win guy and that he went as the 14th quarterback off the board to Alex Dunlap who already had a quarterback on his team 
Yeah, I don't think that's a very good pick at all, but Mr. Dunlap. But we'll, we'll um, first of all, we'll, uh, Richardson, it hits a roulette pick because none of us know how long Gardner Minshew is going to be the placeholder in that position. No one knows how long they're going to let this player uh, marinate on the bench, so to speak. I mm-hmm. hope that he's the starter from day one. He should be the starter from day one, but I, I mean, none of us know. And then we don't know exactly what we're going to see. I think he's going to be fantastic. But this drafter's already committed himself to a quarterback that he's going to start every week. He doesn't need Richardson here. He's never going to start Richardson over Lamar Jackson. So that's not a good pick for him. Tenth round is uh, also in the books. Uh, Dalton Kincaid, the first uh, tight end drafted by Alex Dunlap. He gets him tonight at the 10-01. Jackson Smith and Jigba joins Josh Latz's team. Geno Smith. Backing up Josh Allen for Evan Silva. Romeo Dobbs on Troy Wells' team at the 10-04. Zach Charbonnet is the fourth running back drafted by Bob Long. And then Kirk Cousins is the backup quarterback to Trevor Lawrence here as he gets his second quarterback at the 10-06. Devon A. Chain to the 10-07. Greg Dulcich. Uh, John Terry waits until the ninth round to draft the tight end. Uh, his tight end, and then he gets Dulcich right away. Schultz and Dulcich are his top two tight ends this year. Jared Goff backing up Justin Fields for Sigmund Bloom. Uh, Damian Harris, Sky Moore, and Aaron Rodgers wrap up the 10th round. Harris to Tiribasi, Moore to Burroughs, and then Rodgers going to Kim. In this round, I Farrell, forgive me if we've talked about this before, but I still look back at this Devon A-Chain thing. There are so many people excited about what he can do this year. Um, and at the same time, the Dalvin Cook thing looms heavy over what, what A-Chain and Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert could be this year. A-Chain in the 10th round, to borrow your phrase, is that the spot that you want to be in business with with A-Chain? I don't think so. Uh, I want to see what happens with the distribution of the rock somewhat in the preseason, and I want to see who's healthy week one. I believe that these players that, are, that this coach had in San Francisco, I believe he is linked to them both in the, in the head and the heart. And I think he's going to play these players. And I think they're going to get plenty of touches. There's too much committee going on in this backfield. We used to complain about the New England Patriots backfield. There's just too much going on. You can't really figure out which player to play. Hey, look, I don't want to try to pick out which one of these guys to start. And uh, I think that probably the old players are better picks much later in the draft. Mm, interesting. Okay. Elijah Mitchell joining uh, Jehun Kim's backfield. Farrell, if you look at that squad from the one spot tonight, mm-hmm. knowing that he got all those targets from Jefferson, Higgins, and Hawkinson, and then pounding the running backs after that, what do you make of that strategy? Because he's got a good collection of running backs, despite not drafting one until the fourth round. He has Kenneth Walker, Sanders, Pacheco. I, I, I This is going to sound like blasphemy, but I'm not a – the biggest fan of AJ Dillon, um, even though I am in the in the in the shadows of Lambeau Field here in Northeast Wisconsin, and then Elijah Mitchell, where if anything happens to McCaffrey, all of a sudden Mitchell's looking pretty tasty in San Francisco as well. I like what Jahoon Kim did here, not only for the start of his draft in the first three picks, but the way he's assembled his running backs as well. Yeah, um, he's played and hasn't had enough running backs, and so he's coming back this year and he's saying, "I'm going to get running backs," and I think that. I would be real interesting to watch what he does like between round 12 and 17. I hope that he will look at some receivers that I have on my list of guys that, that I think are great values there and really could play very, very well towards the end of the year. I'm not a big fan of Burks, especially with what just happened down there. Although I will accept his argument that, um, that Tannehill and, and, and Hopkins there will make Burks a better player. Um, but yeah, this is a good team. Um, 
I don't know, Balky, what other running backs could he have got besides Mitchell? Um, when you're talking about Elijah Mitchell going at the 1101, Brian Robinson was available after that. I mean, if you want to take a starter, um, mm-hmm. maybe a name only in Washington, you could have gone with him there. Um, obviously, you could have gotten the pass catcher for now in Kansas City and Jarek McKinnon, and then Kendra Miller, a guy who, again, has some obstacles to overcome, not only on the depth chart, but also with his own injury there uh, that's going on in New Orleans right now. So I, I look at um, those three players. They, You could make a case that they should have been the pick over the Mitchell, over Mitchell, but you'd also make the case that they have too many warts. And Gimme Mitchell, uh, a guy who really showed out when he was the starter and now is a McCaffrey injury away from being pretty significant on that offense. Yeah, and I think he's a contributor even with a healthy McCaffrey. So I can buy into Mitchell. I, I very much like him as a player. You know, I, I gave uh, our team eleven, our team twelve here, uh, a little razz for going two quarterbacks. And but one of the things that's uh, uh, team number seven, Balky, who is that? That's Justin Bacon, FFPC Joe. Well, FMPC Joe is tearing it up because I love what he did here. I think that might be in the seventh round, probably right on target for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, it's a situation where uh, ascending quarterback with a team full of excellent receivers, uh, probably Ridley, who went uh, – where did Ridley end up in this draft, Bucky? Do you see him? Calvin uh, Ridley was the 405 tonight, wide receiver 17 to Bob Long. <laughs> So there's a 405 receiver that I think will catch over a thousand yards this year. And you know, when I ask you, Balky, I want you to tell me, Jacksonville Jaguars, how many pass plays did they have over 20 yards last year, postseason? Oh year? boy, um, I'm I'd say 22. Throw it out there. How about three? Three passes over. Wow. That's crazy. That's what Ridley is going to change. Yeah, they had all those receivers, but three passes over 20 yards. Now we come back and see that his second quarterback, and now he's got a balance at the position because he's taking Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins is, is, you know, he's a 5,000-yard passing quarterback. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why this player is available this late and going behind some of these other quarterbacks because you're in a situation where – He's got the number one receiver. He's got one of the top-tier tight ends. He, they will throw the ball to the back, and he's going to throw the ball approximately 600 times. You put he, Hebert, uh, Mahomes, uh, I'm missing one of them, but you put these guys on the field, these, these guys are going to be putting the ball up in the air. And and so uh, congratulations on that. Uh, he, he's He's cornered two very, very top quarterbacks. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to be him on Sunday morning, though. He'd be switching them out back and forth. You know, it's, uh, what's that? What's that phrase you have, Foggy, about thinking too long? Think long, think wrong. Yeah, yeah. That's so you know, you, you've got to make your decision on his quarterbacks on Thursday and live with it. I. Uh, <laughs> that's true. Now, now the thing is with with um, with this format. Because it is a best ball, I think it changes a few things. And and what I when I look at uh, Bacon's team here at the seventh spot, not only does he have that Lawrence Cousins thing uh, at quarterback, which I think could be very lucrative as far as points go on a week-to-week basis, he does have a couple of stacks there, Lawrence and Engram. And then he gets Addison in the ninth, and then he gets uh, Cousins in the tenth. So pretty valuable to have those two quarterbacks prior mm-hmm. to the 11th round. Then we look at the other side of the coin, Farrell, team three. Cornfitz, Jeff Tirabasi, Derek Carr is his first quarterback. He chooses tonight. He gets him at the 1103. Is that a strategy you can get behind in this best ball format, right? Where you wait and you, you grab your elite tight end, you pound the running backs and the receivers, and then you figure quarterback, figure out quarterback later. 
I, I know he's a he was a Las Vegas Raider, and and he, he is no more uh, because he's in New Orleans. But your thoughts on that strategy from the three spot? You know, the thing about Carr is, and, and Tiravasi and I are probably in the same boat with this player. You you see him do a lot of really nice things, and this is the perfect format for him because. It, you're going to come here. I think Cherubasi's probably identified a couple quarterbacks that he likes late, probably a couple of the young guys that he thinks will be ascending players towards the end of the year. I wouldn't be surprised to see him pick one here or definitely on the way right back around. But, you know, the best ball format allows uh, – oh, there it is. And uh, Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that pick there? I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, that's – so he's, he's taking – Risky plays of players in positions that should pan out, and I believe both these players were pan out. They're not, um, they're not 600 attempts a year quarterbacks, but they are guys that should reach 4,000 yards apiece. And on the right, uh, uh, you know, uh, if luck follows him, uh, he'll be able to uh, put one of those as his top scoring quarterbacks. Yeah, he's going to be all right. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing for sure. Um, I want to shift our focus all the way back over to Team 12, who we were talking about briefly before. Alex Dunlap from uh, rosterwatch.com had the final pick of the first round, and he ends up going with four receivers in the sixth round. But I think what's, what's most exciting to me, and I know you don't like the Richardson pick, but he basically went, he's gone with four straight rookies here from mm-hmm. rounds nine through 12. Richardson, Kincaid, Laporta, and Kendry Miller. Farrell, when's the last time? You know, we've done any of these live draft coverages. You draft a ton, too. When's the last time you've seen a team relying on two rookie tight ends for their first two picks? It, I don't know if I've ever seen it before, but I got to tell you, in this format, I don't dislike it for Alex Dunlap here with Kincaid and Laporta. We saw the, the blurb come out from the Detroit beat writer saying that Laporta is going to be involved early and often in that offense. And no Jamison Williams till mid-October. Man, Alex Dunlap, can, can, he can make some waves with this team. I already talked about the Javante Williams pick. I really like that as well, but this is a big upside team right now. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see the veteran tight end that he puts with these groups because both these young players are going to be playing better at the end of the year. Rookies, they used to come into the league, and you would say, that rookie, he'll probably hit the ball with his performance, but it's not like that. It's not the same kind of game anymore, and coaches are bringing along rookies, especially as you get past that bye week. Mm-hmm. Really going to put more in on the offense now. Uh, Laporta, we we if you watch Laporta in the combine, you realize he's a high four six guy, which is very very good for his size. He can block too. That's going to keep him on the field. Kincaid is a future superstar in this league, so these guys are going to get off to good starts. So yes, I got no problem. I've got no problem with the two tight ends, Kendry Miller. I would rather do something else. Uh, I don't really know exactly where he is physically, and I think there's better players that he could have taken advantage of there. Sigmund Bloom's team from the uh, four spot tonight, I, I feel like, and I feel like I might say this every year when when Bloom drafts his team, but it always seems like he gets an elite tight end early, and it's usually Travis Kelsey because he usually takes mm-hmm. one in the first round. But he gets his uh, elite quarterback, the sixth quarterback off the board is Justin Fields. He gets him in the fourth round, and in between those are his two running backs in Pollard and Henry. You think he's done enough at wide receiver here in rounds five through 13, London, Deontay Johnson. We talked about Elijah Moore a little bit, Michael Thomas, Zay Flowers, Tyler Boyd. Is that enough, or does he still need to be hammering this position given how he did not have a receiver on his team until the fifth round? 
I think those are pretty good receivers, especially Johnson, who may have a better year this coming year than he had last year. Um, we've all, yeah, and, and Zay Flowers, um, I'm a big believer in this player. I think this is the most Tyreek Hill-esque player uh, in the draft, and I like him better than a lot of these other rookies that are going higher. Um, Tyler Boyd is an old steady Eddie. I don't particularly think in this format you're going to get a lot of scores out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, in in the case of Justin Fields, this is this is a quarterback we're going to say, hey, his feet are so good. He's going to do so much with the ball running. And when you have a quarterback like that, you're just rooting for him to run all the time. Chicago Bears threw the ball 22 times a game last year. And I don't know what you're going to do with that. And I don't know what DJ Moore and um, uh, Mooney and and Komet. And somebody asked me the other night, why are you so down on Komet? I'm not particularly down on Komet. But we just told you all the quarterback's going to throw the ball 600 times. Justin Fields is going to throw it 350. So that's a lot of footwork that Justin Fields has to make up. Jared Goff's the right kind of quarterback to put with a Justin Fields because there's a guy that's going to be slinging it. And I'm not sure exactly where the quarterbacks are on the rest of the board, but I'm going to find another guy that's going to sling it and throw it and put it in the air and get it downfield. But, yeah, I like his wide receivers. I think based on where he drafted them, he got the most he could possibly get. And uh, tip of the cap on uh, Michael Thomas. I think that's a polarizing player for fantasy football. And the public, uh, uh, the public, I believe, is, is uh, downgrading Thomas way too much. You know, I wanted that's a topic for our show uh, coming up this Friday if, if we, we can get to it because uh, we always have so much content to get to. But I want to talk, I want to explore that Michael Thomas thing a little bit more this coming Friday. Um, once again, all f- 12 of these teams in this FFPC Pros versus Joe's draft that we're covering tonight will be uh, shooting for a first place finish because that means they will get a 2024 free entry into the FFPC main event. Remember, if you square away your 2023 FFPC main event entry by midnight Pacific time tomorrow, you're going to find out where you're drafting what slot you have by July 31st. So you can spend the entire month of August figuring out how you want to attack that position as you go for a million dollar grand prize when you sign up at myffpc.com. Bob Lung from Big Guy Fantasy Sports is in the eighth spot tonight. He drafts Dallas Goddard in the fifth round. He gets Mike Gesicki uh, in the thir- at the 1308, tight end 23. Farrell, he is no longer shackled by blocking in the Mike McDaniel's offense or, or in, in the Mike McDaniel offense where he's on the sideline, he's just not even getting on the field. What do you think about Gesicki's value here in the 13th round, man, FFPC premium format, a tight end premium format. I really like the value that, that Bob Lung got here. And I think he should be going higher. Everybody that's casually even associated with fantasy football. That's one of the things that they know this year. Gesicki's a very good player. He's returning to the coaching staff which knows him from college, and he has a chance to blossom. And despite the fact we talked about it on the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour uh, multiple times, uh, despite the fact that he was uh, in a mix of lesser talented tight ends in Miami, he was always able to find the end zone. I think he had five touchdown catches last year. So Gesicki will be a force uh, between the 20s. Uh, for the Patriots. I like it very well. And, you know, there's a quarterback that hasn't been drafted um, uh, there in Mac Jones. And, you know, he's better than the public uh, thinks he is. And Gusecki's going to help him be uh, that better player. I'm Balky, I just, I'm just looking at this thing, you know, and you go, well, the, the screens, the screens away from me now, but just amazes me the running back talent that was available in this draft of the third round. It's just fantastic. 
Yeah, I mean, I touched on it earlier. I mean, like you have, I mean, obviously Josh Jacobs is falling a little bit because mm-hmm. you have, um, you know, the potential contract situation. But I mean, like Brees Hall uh, falling into the third round because of the ACL question. Um, Derrick Henry, people are just waiting for him to fall off uh, the, the cliff. And Sigmund Bloom's betting on one more year with him in Tennessee. Ramondre Stevenson and Jameer Gibbs have been getting steamed up. Um, and, and these, I mean, some of these guys, several of these guys, might be second round picks in like a month or so, given you know everything that we know about them and how positive people are being about them right now. So I think some of these third round uh, running backs might be available uh, in the second round in a month, but not necessarily in the third round. Um, Rashawn Johnson went off the board here just just briefly. Uh, I want to touch on this at the thirteen eleven to Josh Latz, and I look at the Bears um, situation. Farrell, you kind of touched on it. They want to throw more in Chicago no. this year. Fields was a prolific passer at Ohio State. They added DJ Moore. Cole Komet should be in for another big year. Um, what's his name? Uh, Mooney has come. Darnell Mooney's coming off the injury. They added Chase Claypool last year. I mean, everything should tell us that they are going to throw more this year. But I'm still of the opinion. I think you are too. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to do it. And that's why I think Rashawn Johnson makes a lot of sense in the 13th round. Um, I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily the biggest Khalil Herbert guy in the world, which I think kind of makes me a Rashawn Johnson guy. I like this pick in the 13th round for Josh Latz's squad as his number five running back. Okay. And I can buy into that too, especially, I suppose, yeah, he needed a running back. Um, if we want to talk more about Chicago, we can talk about the fact that the the ball is in that quarterback's hands and he makes the decisions when to take off with it. And mm-hmm. he makes the decisions to go through the progressions. You know, I believe that Chase Claypool uh, is an excellent player and, and he really shouldn't be drafted. We're going how many rounds here tonight? We're going 20, 20 rounds. 20 We're rounds. In 20. I don't know if he comes off the board um, t- tonight. So uh, I, I don't um, um, – I just don't see this in the, in, in the passing game for Chicago. So, yes, perhaps something in the rushing game uh, with Johnson as a, as a back makes uh, really, really good sense. Evan Silva from Establish the Run is picking in the 10 spot right next to Josh Latz tonight, and he hit up some receivers early. He got digs in the first round to go with his Josh Allen, who we got in the second round. Metcalf, Mike Williams is on uh, there on his team, as well as Quentin Johnston. He gets Zay Jones in the 13th. I do want to talk a, a little bit about Jonathan Mingo here and how mm. he fits into Silva's squad. Mingo, obviously a rookie a guy that I was kind of excited about in my rookie drafts because uh, he was slipping a little bit. But the more I read, the more I watched, the more I listened to, I kind of – I don't want to say I soured on him because I still think he's interesting. Um, but he has a lot of potential in Carolina this year with no real established number one receiver. I guess you could say Adam Thielen is going to be the guy. I don't know if he is going to be the guy. I mean, he's really getting up there in years. Um, but Mingo is a guy that in this format for Evan Silva's team makes a lot of sense here because that if that guy does blow up and after if he does do good, now all of a sudden you're looking at this this wide receiver core that Silva's established. Throw Mingo into that could be the best receiver core in this league. You know, in, in college he was a little bit banged up and he didn't get to show his full skill set perhaps week in and week out. Uh, it's another. Another player coming from Ole Miss, Carolina seems to to like that Ole Miss connection. Um, yeah, I don't see any reason not to give Mingo a shot. Uh, I think we're looking uh, at at a, at a few big games based on speed. Uh, he's he's a he's a fast player. 
and you can see the speed on the field. He he plays fast. So I yeah, I can go all in with Mingo here. I don't know what you're hearing um about him balky not to like other than the fact, you know, he's going to be with his rookie quarterback. But, hey, you know, I'll tell you exactly what Thielen is going to be with these young players. He's going to be the guy that shows leadership. He'll he'll teach these other receivers not only how to take uh, physical reps but mental reps uh, in, in practice. Uh, that's a reason that you should like some of your dart throws with Carolina players that are going to be pass catchers is because Thielen is there. Todd uh, Burroughs from uh, Sharp Football Analysis. We talked with him earlier in the broadcast, and he just took um, Jelani Woods with his 1502 pick, and he said he probably should have went somewhere other than tight end because he already had Darren Waller in the fifth. He already grabbed Chiga Conquo in the 11th. Um, and tight end, he's, I mean, he's been, uh, I, I just did, uh, what show were we doing with him where he popped in? Um, it was a, a FFPC uh, live draft covered show on a couple of Tuesdays ago. And he said like the third tier of tight ends this year, it's really good. Tight end is deep. He had two, but Farrell, he just could not quit Jelani Woods. Your thoughts on Jelani Woods in Indianapolis this year with Anthony Richardson. Still waters run deep for the Jelani Woods love. I, you know, it, it's hard to, to not see that it's it's when you see that big body running across the field, it, it's hard not to say, Hey, why doesn't this guy catch so many balls? And uh, yeah, big red zone target. I wish I knew why a team doesn't have a package to make sure they get Jelani Woods the ball six times a game. Is it because they can't trust him to be in the, the place that he's supposed to be? when he's in the route tree. I don't know what the issue is, but um, yeah, I will be glad when the production meets the physicality. That would be a very, very happy day for Jelani Woods. And if it's not soon, uh, he's going to become only a memory because he's, he's not much of a contributor anywhere else on the field, such as special teams and that type of thing. One of the uh, favorite teams in the YouTube chat tonight has been player profilers, Billy Musio. Uh, Rich Bill, you pointing out that he got two more solid picks here in the 14th and 15th. Devin Singletary is his number four running back. Uh, he's got Tyler Conklin as his number three tight end. And listen, I, I, Billy is super smart. I've done shows with him before. Uh, I, I, you know, I commission, facilitate a lot of his drafts, uh, even in, live in Las Vegas as well. Um, but I look, <clears throat> and here's here's the cold water I'll throw in. And maybe it's not cold water. Maybe it's lukewarm. But I look at the running backs on this team. I thought he would pound them more after he got those four receivers early, but it's only been Dobbins and Pierce in the sixth and seventh. A-chain we talked about in the tenth, and then Singletary and Zamir White. I mean, this could work out, Farrell, but I do feel like as he enters the season, I worry about the running back being deep enough for him to compete for 17 weeks. Billy's throwing a lot of darts at the board, and you can't argue with these individual players the way he's putting them together. Leads me to question a little bit. Rondell Moore is a classic underperformer at receiver. We've already talked about the issues of being a Bears receiver. Yes, I love Singletary, and I think this is a, one of his better picks that, um, that that he's made. I think he's I think he's a little old at tight end. Uh, I like his the first tight end he took is the one that I like least, uh, and <laughs> we all wait for Everett. Uh, to have the breakthrough year and climb above what he did last year, which I think was 47 catches. Yeah, there, there's a lot of hope on this roster. And, uh, um, yeah, I guess you had to have two quarterbacks in this format and maybe even a third is forthcoming. But 
Yeah, I, now, I just don't like the way he's put it together, but you know what? He's uh, uh, he's got a pretty impressive resume, so I'll just I'll just wait and see the results. And I'll, I'll but doing you know when a guy like Billy puts together a team like this, you say, well, you know, I, uh, maybe I need to go look at some of these other players again. Right. Let's, let's at least say one thing: I love Singletary where he got him. Yeah, I do too. I, I like that pick there in the 14th round. Um, and then now he is locked. He's basically locked up the Texans ground game, right? With Pierce, <laughs> excuse me, and Singletary there. So it makes a lot of sense. I want to get back to a pick that Jeff Tirabasi just made in the 16th round here at the 1610 wide receiver 74, Marvin Mins. Farrell, this is a guy that I, I keep hearing more and more positive things about um, in Denver with Russell Wilson, Sean Payton, and obviously Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy are still there. Um, but your thoughts on Marvin Mims, how big of a deal is he going to be this year for fantasy football? Is he going to make an impact right away, or are we going to have to wait a year to figure out what he what his true value is to Denver? I don't think we are because it's a new coaching staff, new offensive coordinator, uh, new um, ideas about what they expect out of the quarterback. Uh, I'm surprised Mims was still available here. When we see him in the preseason, he won't be available. Um this late. Um, I don't know. You're looking probably at a 50 catch, um, 650, 700 yard guy with maybe four to six touchdowns, but in the 16th round, why not? I think uh, uh, Dave the Dizzle Gerzak letting his thoughts known on Cortland Sutton. Right? He never has been a fan of Cortland <laughs> no, Sutton. He has, he has Cortland not. Sutton is trying to be a player, Dave. He's trying really hard to, to, to do what's expected from him. Good Lord, someone drafted Hunter Henry. You know, what, 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 what's the old line, Farrell? Um, I'm trying to think of it where I think it was a football one, and, and somebody asked the, the head coach of, of their team, and, and uh, well, he's like, well, the effort is there. They're trying, very mm-hmm. trying. And that's what Cortland Sutton is. Very you know, Cort- I think Dave would – and there's a lot of guys that you want to see this, but I old scout once coined a phrase with me. And uh, I use it often is he fails slowly. And that's, that's a good one. That's good. I'm telling you, that's, that's, I'm adding it to my list right now. Failing slowly is going to be one of my KFFSC teams this year. Uh, team names for sure. Um, I want to uh, let, let's get into um, the other picks of the 16th round. I want to, I normally I'd talk about Clyde Edwards, Alaire, but Aiden LaCorey is not on the program tonight. So, and, and I think he might be joining us. Uh, either Tuesday or Wednesday. So I'll save the, the Clyde Edwards-Alaire uh, talk for then. Zamir White to Billy Musio here. I, You tell me about this Josh Jacobs situation because Zamir White, I feel like, was a player I was, I was high on last year um, in my rookie drafts, and I still have him on several of my dynasty leagues. You tell me. I mean, is, is the Jacobs thing about potentially sitting out games for real? And even if it's not, I mean, how valuable is Zamir White going to be in Las Vegas this year? as a one-injury-away type guy late. Well, he'll sit over there on the sidelines and, and pay attention. And that's important because uh, Josh Jacobs Josh Jacobs is a player that's very, very difficult to get off the field. We saw Josh Jacobs not be the Josh Jacobs he was last year, and it was because in previous years he's been a little banged up and you cannot get him off the field. And, yeah, as, as, as the dizzle breaks it down. He says it's a lottery ticket. And sure it is because he's a capable player in an offense that's going to have to have a pretty good rushing attack. But um, Jacobs will approach his uh, financial condition a little different than what some of the other players. 
and the way some of the other players are doing. That's my thoughts. I think, um, and you are a Raiders guy, which is why I asked you about that to get you know straight from the from the Raiders' mouth, essentially. I like the team, but it's only the interns out there that are returning my phone calls now. Oh, the interns and a guy named Curtis Knox. You know. Oh, okay. Perfect. Some guy called me the other day. I said, what year are you at a UNLV? He goes, how do you know I'm in college? I thought, that's great. You know. <laughs> I, I feel like we've done John Terry a disservice tonight. He's generated so much YouTube chat. It's mostly heckling from his friend and competitor, Biplab Mandel, in the in the YouTube chat Are tonight. those two guys fighting again? They're, no, John's not even defending himself. He's too busy drafting. But okay. Piplab is taking advantage and tearing John Terry's team down as much. In fact, he said a big reason that Billy Musio's team is so good is because he's catching all the value that John Terry is leaving him from the five spots tonight. But John Terry, a guy who's won um, more than one national tournament over the years with the FFPC, uh, won a ton of money easily into the six figures. He's drafting from the five spot tonight. And I want to ask you about his approach here. He doesn't, he, he doesn't take tight end until the ninth round. This is kind of... Um, the approach that Alex Dunlap uh, from Roster Watch took at the 12. He doesn't take a tight end until the ninth round, um, and then he gets Schultz and Dulcich in back-to-back picks there. Now, I understand that's not the most attractive duo in the world, but when you consider that drafted, waiting until the, to draft that duo allowed him to draft Barkley, Akers, and Antonio Gibson, and all those receivers in Cooper Cup, Amari Cooper, Jerry Judy, Marquise Brown, and one of the best quarterbacks out there, Jalen Hurts. Is that a viable strategy in that format? How do you rate John Terry's team knowing that he waited on tight end but still got Schultz, Dulcich, and now Jake Ferguson in the 17th round, who could start for Dallas? I like those tight ends. I like Ferguson pick uh, down here. I think he really uh, he picked the proverbial pocket of uh, these drafters here in pros mm-hmm. versus Joe's one. Uh, I'm a bigger fan of Schultz. Than apparently everyone else here is, uh, especially the professor. I, I will tell you, professor, since Schultz is no longer a cowboy, I believe what you've got here is a player that knows how to run a route and has very, very good hands. And so, you know, we're dealing in a situation uh, where you take Cooks out of Houston. You now have some interesting – you've got the little guy Bell, the little receiver. You've got Nico Collins. And you, you've you got Schultz, which is a steadying effect on what a young quarterback is going to need. And, and we're talking about this team. This is a four- or five-win football team, I think. Uh, but for fantasy purposes um, – I, I really like some of these players, and Schultz is the one that, that I like the most, especially early – Compared with Dulich, there's a player that will come on later in the year. And um, Ferguson, um, there's there's unlimited potential for what that player can do. So, yeah, I like this team a lot. Farrell, our uh, good buddy Josh Latz and Packers fan Josh Latz from the 11 spot tonight just drafted Hunter Renfro at the uh, 17-11. He's the 77th receiver off the board. The Raiders have essentially, and I I know this is the quick and dirty, They've essentially exchanged Darren Waller in that offense for Jacoby Myers. Is this a um, negative, positive, or just a, a net zero impact on Hunter Renfro's stats for this year compared to where they were at last year? Hunter Renfro's a, a big question mark for me. He, what happened to him last year was what I've been waiting for it to happen during his career. His body, uh, he's tough as nails, but his body began to be uh, – bad luck with what he what he had and he he played hurt he played hurt with some of the things that you know we didn't hear about through the media and i i'm just not so sure 
that so much of the offense is going to run um, through Hunter Renfro this year. So I, I'm not particularly in favor of that pick. I, uh, you know, it, it's 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 interesting to see what the Raiders when they when they let Waller move. Um, I thought it was because they had. Uh, the tight end Moreau, who then surfaced in free agency in New Orleans, uh, had an illness and seems to be recuperating. Uh, it's it's the in the short inside receiving game for the Raiders is one of the most intriguing things to watch in the preseason. But you know what? You've got a quarterback that's coming in there that can take advantage of every short passing slant route, rushing receiver. And so you asked about Myers. That's why I like Myers. That's why you like Myers and and uh, yeah, Brentfro. I think like, the thing is, is like, I, I don't know how you feel about this, Farrell, but but do you do you feel like you can get lottery ticket receivers this late in the draft? To me, like this is the time where you 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 stump for those running backs, or or do you see it a different way in a best ball format that's just twenty rounds long? Yeah, I, I don't like either of these receivers here because we've seen what we've got from Woods. Woods delivered my victory of the steak dinner bet where you'll be accompanying us, Balky, uh, right. last year when he out-received uh, uh, Burks over in Tennessee. And that's what we're going to see with Woods in his career now. Uh, there are some ve- very attractive young receivers that I'm sure are still available that I could find uh, better than those two receivers. But we're we're gonna we're gonna straighten Josh out when he comes to Kentucky, and he'll he'll have twenty rounds of excellence real soon. You know, I, um, Todd Burroughs just chimed in um, at the uh, at the eighteen eleven tonight. He said, "Are they really gonna leave me?" Likely, uh, which I I had <laughs> yeah. Now I don't have it up anymore. But that's exactly what happened. He took uh-huh. likely at the at the eighteen eleven. Farrell, it's one thing to to really like a player and. And it's another thing to like load up on a position because he talked about maybe I shouldn't take a Jelani Woods because I already had two tight ends. Now he's got four tight ends mm-hmm. with Waller, Chigaquanko, Woods, and likely there's a lot of upside here. But would you be willing to soak in 20% of your roster towards tight ends in this format? I don't know. But if you're going to do it, if, if as Dave says, if you're buying lottery tickets, um, this is the player to do it with. And when this player came out of school, I was just so – enchanted with his skill set. I couldn't wait to where he was going to land. And then his landing spot didn't suggest great fantasy football. Uh, you know, he's going to have to, there's going to have to be an injury to the number one for him to, to step up. But yeah. Okay. I, you know what, if you're in the FFPC, you should love tight ends. So mm-hmm. let's do it. You know what? Yeah, let's saying? do it. I like yeah. it. I like it. Uh, we have not talked about Troy Wells team a whole lot from the nine spot tonight, Farrell. Uh, I want to get into it a little bit right now. Deshaun Watson, Russell Wilson, and Mac Jones are his quarterbacks. He also have he also has Kittle, Komet, and Fant at tight end. Would you be okay? With, and again, I, I know team structure plays into this and where you pick guys, but he's got three tight ends and three quarterbacks. I don't know if I see that often done in in an FFF in an FFPC best ball slim like this to dedicate essentially thirty percent of your roster to those two positions. Well, yeah, and, and Kittle is one of my favorite players in the league on and off the field. He's, just, he's done a lot of things for the game, the community. I, I look forward to seeing what he does even after he retires, but they ask him to do so much with the 49ers. It's like a broken record every time I say that. So in our fantasy football, uh, 
it, it's difficult for him. There's, there's other, there's Evan Ingram's that can outscore him that are not anywhere near the kind of football player he is. We've already talked about Komet. Fans been a big question mark for me. Those are, um, those are not my favorite mix of tight ends. He got Mac Jones, mm-hmm. and so you know, we, we I like Mac Jones a little bit better than uh, some of the guys going in front of him. And who's his other two quarterbacks, Balky? Uh, for you are looking at um, uh, Russell Wilson at the nine oh nine and Deshaun Watson at the six oh four. Okay, well, you know, uh, uh, I think Watson's going to carry the day for him. So, yeah, but you know, you want to have three, so why not? You do want to have three in yeah. this format. Okay, all right. I, I know that's I, not that it's polarizing, but I think a lot of people would say like um, they'll they'll just roll with like one or two guys. Um, I guess now I shouldn't say that because I have heard a lot of people say that they'll take a third on this format as well. Um, John Terry in the uh, at the eighteen oh eight tonight as his number. Oh my goodness, what is it? Number seven running back. Uh, it's Eric Gray, the rookie in New York. And obviously, we're not only paying attention because he's a rookie, we're also paying attention because he could be the backup, um, which we, we want to focus on in this type of format. And we also want to pay attention to it because Saquon Barkley is involved in a contract dispute right now. Farrell, is Eric Gray the pick over um, Matt Breida uh, in New York right now? Not to mention they also have James Robinson there now, too. Oh, yeah, I think so. And you know what? I would <laughs> I, I would probably go Robinson there. Robinson's got a lot of bad press lately, but you know what? He's got 1,000-yard rushing seasons, and I've seen him at the goal line keep those legs moving, score the ball when a lot of other players wouldn't. And, hey, Josh just woke up at the wide receiver position. You know, this is going to be a recurring theme, I think, over the course of drafting season, which we are, you know, coming up. Um, we're passing the mid-portion of drafting season, I think, right now. But, my God, the Giants receivers, Farrell, in the last couple of rounds here, Wandale Robinson, Jalen Hyatt, and Darius Slayton all go in the 19th round. Um, what was the other uh, Giants receiver? Oh, Isaiah Hodgins falls. He doesn't go until the 16th round. Mm-hmm. At, at this point, I mean, are we are we just – is there value there, I guess is my, my question, because so many high-stakes players have just eliminated the Giants receivers as targets on a whole, and, and um, they have an expensive quarterback. They have a running back who could be – um, holding out, and they have a tight end. Granted, for all this, the special things he does on the field, sometimes he's not available because of injury. I, I'm just wondering, like, what we're doing here with Giants receivers and drafts. Well, they're protos- Paris Campbell, as Rich Billiou points out too. Paris Campbell as well as another one. Rich is following those Giants. He's going to yeah. start talking about Sterling Shepard real soon. The you know, um, Hyatt. Uh, I love Hyatt. Dizzle loves Hyatt. Dizzle, you know, when Dizzle didn't get a chance to watch much college football, he know a whole lot about Hyatt, and he knew it early. It's a player route running and speed. All of their ability to get in the end zone and to score us a six-point fantasy touchdown is, I think, based on having Barkley on the field to move the chains. But, yes, I, I you, you have to – Daniel Jones went higher in this draft than a lot mm-hmm. of quarterbacks. Um, these receivers, the proverbial cream is going to, to rise to the top. You know, our pal Zach gets uh, get, gets Wondell Robinson in the 19th round. This was an 11th, 10th round pick last year at the main event. The skill set is the same skill set once he bounces back from his injury. Um, I, um, I think um, – this receiver group is 
underrated, but I think a lot of the reason that I would keep them at these distant top end numbers is that Barkley is no longer there. You bring Barkley back, I like these receivers better. And I'm going to go ahead and figure out that it's Hyatt, Hodgkins, and um, and Wondell Robinson are going to be the three that are going to do very well. And, you know, there's another giant tight end that nobody's picking that, that could catch balls, that could catch more balls than some of these other tight ends. That's also – and this is what Todd Burroughs is saying, is is this this last tier of tight ends are, are so valuable uh, this year, maybe more valuable than they ever have been in the FFPC before. Let's talk about um, a couple of Packers receivers here. And, and Farrell, maybe I should be answering this, but I'm going to ask you, you anyway. Um, Alex Dunlap from Roster Watch at the 12 spot took Jaden Reed in the 16th round and Luke Musgrave in the 20th round. Now, it wasn't that long ago that people were talking about, even though Musgrave was the second round pick and Tucker Craft is the third round pick, wasn't that long ago, a lot of people in the industry, including dynasty players that are respected, and I still respect, said that they prefer Kraft over Musgrave. Now we hear that Musgrave is coming into training camp as, as the number one tight end. Um, and and I and I look at Jaden Reed as a guy that um, a few players have told me, like everybody's talking about Watson and Dobbs, but don't forget about Reed, who's probably going to start right away. And I think he probably is the starting slot receiver right away. I look at what he did late. What do you make of that strategy? He doesn't have Jordan Love on this team, but he gets two pieces from a growing offense, an offense that we don't know a whole lot about. And these two guys could both – I don't know if they'll both hit, but one of them definitely could here. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I like everything he's done at the tight end position. It'll be really mm-hmm. interesting to watch what he does. Now, Musgrave, you, you talk to any scout. You could not find a scout. Uh, you know, here's a player who played uh, Oregon State, and, and you could not find a scout. An East Coast scout would, would want to talk to you about Musgrave. Everyone loves this player. Um, and now his, his destination somewhat – has uh, affected the buzz about him. I think that's a that's a steal of a pick uh, that late, and then and Hayden Hurst uh, falling into to what uh, they're going to ask him to do there in Carolina. That's another great tight end pick. So yes, do do I think it, to answer your questions, Boggy, we got a drafter here that that knows his players and has a great depth chart and um, is is in uh, you know he's. He's ready for Planet Hollywood, baby. The last player, as we we have the, the draft just completed in a minute or so ago, the last player that I want to bring up here tonight before we, we sign off, Farrell, is um, Daenerik Prince, who is a player that has, ever since he got, ever since the Kansas City made him a chief, uh, there has been there have been players targeting him at the end of Fantasy Pros drafts. Uh, end of FFPC main event slow drafts at the end of pros versus Joe's drafts now here as well as Daenerik Prince goes off the board to Alex Dunlap. Should we be paying attention to Prince in Kansas City right now? Because there are a significant amount of Chiefs running backs there. Um, yes, because the culture of the team suggests they can take a player and make that player into something. Look what they did with Pachinko. So you're you're saying, hey, this is they know what they're doing and they know what they want to make want to have happen. Uh, so yes, there's nothing there's nothing that you can argue with about that. Um, you take uh, players that I see bulky along this grouping of the 19th and 20th round. Khalil Shakir is a, is a huge steal in this mm-hmm. situation. 
situation. He could have some big, big games, and he could also get some special teams work too and bust bust a uh, punter kick return there. Uh, goodness gracious, Claypool did get drafted. It's an amazing yeah. play. And, uh, you know, I like most of the players that went – you know, I love Claypool, but I like most of the players that went after him uh, even better. So it, it – it's, it's pretty fascinating that in this format, we could be in the 20th round and find a lot of players with significant upside that could could make these teams uh, winners at the end of the season. More important than ever are the last few rounds of a FFPC pros versus Joe's draft because um, you are having – this is a situation where um, – you don't have that. We don't do the 28 rounds in this format. Haven't done the 28 rounds in several years in this format. And because of the depth um, that's available as far as the talent level goes for a lot of these teams, it's very, very interesting. And we, we've got this draft in the books tonight, Farrell, but we got five more to cover. And I think there's going to be so much more fun to unpack as we go forward in this format. Uh, thank you so much for joining us tonight. KFFSC.com is where to go. Uh, main events available uh, live in Cincinnati, live in Louisville. Spots available there as well. KFFSC.com is where to go to check that out as well. And I will talk with you again an hour later. We'll talk with you again uh, tomorrow night at 9 o'clock Eastern time. See you then, Bucky. Farrell Elliott, ladies and gentlemen, the definitive commissioner of fantasy football. I want to thank our guests tonight on the program uh, that joined me in Farrell. It was Josh Latz. It was Todd Burrows. Great stuff for both of those guys. Tomorrow night, uh, we will be broadcasting the second draft of the Pros versus Joes uh, League. It's league number two, the Garrison Pub tomorrow. Um, if you haven't figured it out, all these are Peaky Blinders uh, references as far as the um, as far as the, uh, the the league names go. Tomorrow night we have FFPC Joe's Scott Keycoen, and I butcher his name every time. I think that's what it is. Uh, Jeffrey and Alan Eidelman, the brothers uh, team that will be taking on the Joe's from the four spot. David Hubbard, uh, former FFPC main event champ. Uh, in 2016, he'll be in the draft. Bad P Brad Petri and Darren Larson, the uh, Kentucky Fantasy Football State Championship winners, main event winners back in 2021, I believe. Uh, Roy Perenzuela and Corey Hanstein, they've been in this uh, format before. And then Albert Leach drafting from the 12th spot. Those are the Joes, the pros tomorrow night. Uh, Fantasy Points own John Hansen, Derek Brown from Fantasy Pros, Best Bell Fantasy and Player Profilers, Bradley Staldler, uh, St uh, Stalder will be in it. Uh, Peter Overzet from Fantasy Life. Also from Fantasy Life is Dwayne McFarland and Brian Drake from Pro Football Focus and Fantasy Points. They'll be teaming up again tomorrow. Nelson Burbitt from Dynasty Depot will round out the pros. I have to mention again, to get your FFPC main event teams registered and paid for by midnight Pacific time tomorrow, if you have that done by July 31st, you will have a uh, your draft slot or slots if you bought multiple teams. Remember, $400 off each additional team you buy, you're going to have those slots by July 31st. So you can figure out, um, uh, you know, plot your way of who you're going to take where uh, based on you already knowing your draft slot because you got your uh, payment taken care of on that. Uh, FFPC main event slow drafts are off and running. Fantasy Pros Championship drafts going off. I got uh, commissioning a couple here coming up. The Midnight Draft, obviously, as well. So sign up for that at myffpc.com. That's another contest in addition to the main event where you can take advantage of it and go for a million-dollar grand prize at myffpc.com. pair of best ball tournaments going on as well. Dynasty startups are going off strong. We've never had a Dynasty League fold in more than a decade, 1,400-plus teams. So make sure you're registering for that at myffpc.com. That will complete our show tonight. We'll be back at 9 o'clock tomorrow for League Number 2. Thanks so much for watching, everybody. We really appreciate it. And we will talk with you again uh, tomorrow night in, in about uh, 
23 and a half hours. So thanks so much, everybody. This has been another episode of the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour presented by MyFFPC.com. It was broadcast live and was watched around the world. Balky and Farrell will be back next week with more analysis, more interviews, and more advice from guests much smarter than they are. Thanks for watching, and we'll talk with you again next week. And for what it's worth, I know everybody said Billy Musio's team was the best, but feel free to hop on the FFPC Twitter. Let us know which teams you like best from this draft as well. We'll talk to you again tomorrow night. Thanks for watching.